Good morning, everyone. Today I'm going to be speaking on New Year's resolutions, and um, uh, my uh, I'm going to be talking to start with about common resolutions that people make, and then why they usually fail, and what is a better way to change. And I'm going to end up by speaking of saying when the Bible speaks of resolution, there is a surprising twist. And you have to wait till the end before we get to that. So my goal is to find out what the Bible teaches on how we can make effective changes in our lives this coming year. Does that sound good? Okay. So what are some common New Year's resolutions? Can you tell me? Lose weight. You're right. That is the number one. I looked, I did it. I looked at New Year's resolutions in 2023. That's the number one. What else is there? Exercise. Exercise is the number two. You guys are good. <laughs> what else? Uh, Eat healthier. Yep. That's right. That's right up the top there. Uh, read more. Yeah, that's on the list. Yeah, it is. You guys are excellent. What else? What? There's, a, there's a, a really common one that you haven't got yet. Quit smoking. Is quit smoking or lit drink less is there. Yeah, that's in the top ten. Spend more, time with family. Spend more time with family. Have you guys been reading my notes? <laughs> that's there. Spend more time with family. And what's there to spend less time doing? Oh, TV. Less time on social media. Yes, that's right. That's a, a resolution. Um, and any more? Hmm? There's one that's, uh, that's there, this um, very common one, get organized. So, um, yeah, let's, I'll, show you, I'll show you the list that I found. Exercise more, lose weight, get organized, less time on social media, learn a new skill or hobby, um, save money, spend less money, Drink less alcohol or quit smoking. More time with family and friends, not on social media. Travel more, read more. So you guys have scored pretty well in that, haven't you? So um, I also did um, a look to what what Christians like Christian resolutions. What the top ten Christian resolutions are? Um, can you guess what they might be? So Christians read your Bible more, your Bible more. <laughs> more. <laughs> Good church, yes. What else? <laughs> okay. All right. What else? Make it to the prayer meeting. Make it to the prayer meeting. Okay. Become more involved. Become more involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'll show you what it is. Uh, pray more. Read my Bible this year. Um, love people more. Evangelize more. Be more unselfish. Be a better employee. Stop doing quote sin. So those are the uh, those were the top ones that Christians were were doing. Um, now uh, there's a problem with focusing um, on things that we don't want to do. This is one of the reasons that that uh, resolutions tend to fail because when you focus on something, I mustn't do that. I mustn't eat ice cream. I mustn't eat ice cream. I mustn't particularly eat that new Haagen-Dazs ice cream with a lovely chocolate dripping on it. And No, I mustn't. I mustn't. I mustn't. No, no. And as you focus on it, it becomes, you get become more and more 
difficult not to do it. Um, and so when you fix your eyes on sin, it's the same thing. When you fix your eyes on sin, it's harder and your struggle will be harder. You know, this is why one of the reasons dieting is hard, because you're thinking about food all the time. Um, you know, do, how many calories in this? And you it, giving you more attention on that and not on on other things. Um, so um, it's up to you if you make resolutions, but I'm going to take a different approach this morning. Um, but before I do, before I, I leave this this. Uh, this idea of listing resolutions, um, I did find something better when I was looking for Christian resolutions. And this is my improved Christian resolution. Recognize that apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Pray for wisdom, for what, for what resolutions, if any, God would have you make. Um, pray for wisdom, how to fulfill God's goals for you. Rely on God's strength to help you, which I guess is the same as number one. Find an accountability partner to encourage you. Don't become discouraged by failure. And don't become proud or vain over success. Okay, so that was a... Hmm? That's good. Yeah, I thought that was good, yes. Um, what do you think of them, these ones? Yeah? Okay. I particularly like the first one, and Dan does as well. He mentioned it during work, like, and I thought, what's he going to say? Is he going to be clobbering my sermon? But actually, <laughs> but you know, I thought, yeah, I, you pretty much were in tune here. So um, uh, it was. It's a good. It's a good one. Um, now I searched for relevant references in the Bible. I spent a long time like going through, and there's not a direct equivalent word to resolution, but there are some kind of similarities. But we're virtually never told to resolve to do something. Virtually never. There's, there's a couple of places where a word is used in terms of doing something. When Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem when he was going to die, that word is used like he's resolved to go. He knows he's going to be in agony. He's going to suffer all of these things. And this happened and he sets his face. A very similar one is Paul resolved to go to Rome. And uh, he says, um, uh, sorry, in the, he, to Jerusalem, where he knew he would get into trouble. Paul resolved in the spirit to visit Jerusalem and then go to Rome. And there was probably some sort of revelation that God gave him that that he was resolving out of at this point. Um, but apart from that, we really don't have anything. So those are common resolutions. I want to talk now about why they usually fail. And what might be a better way to change? And then we'll end by this surprising twist in the Bible. So what we find um, is that in the Bible is that um, resolutions um, fail because it's about changing habits. And it's extremely hard to change our habits, particularly with a brute force attempt. Just I'm going to do this differently. Very, very hard. It's not impossible, but it's hard to do. Uh, does the Bible give us a better way to change? Yes, it does. And in a moment, I'm going to take you to some scriptures. Um, but in a, just in a core, the Bible tells us that uh, our behavior flows from our identity. How we define ourselves leads to how we behave. And this is not just true in the Bible, it's true in just many ways that humans work. Um, so, for example, people have noted 
how come vegetarians can be so consistent? I don't know if there's any vegetarians here, but one of the things people have noticed, they can be extremely consistent. And it's because they've defined themselves as a vegetarian. No, I don't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian. No. I, and so it's not like I'm choosing not to eat it every time. No, I've already made that definition. And so, of course, I'm not going to eat it. And so that self-definition is a hundred times more effective than something like, you know, I'm not going to eat that piece of chocolate because I've decided to lose weight. Well, maybe tomorrow. And, you know, and then, it, it, uh, you know, so it's kind of the thin end of the wedge. But if you define this is who you are, then it um, it's much more like to work. And there is a lot in the Bible about behavior flowing from our identity. And so we're going to look at some scripture now. Um, and so uh, the night is nearly over and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So the definition is I'm a person of light. This is who I am. I'm somebody who lives in the light. I'm not a person of darkness. And so I'm going to choose to live according to the light, not according to the darkness, because the darkness is nearly over anyway. And so this is our identity to this kind of person. And so this is why we put on the armor, because we're a person of light. Um, here's another one. Uh, Ephesians 4.1. I therefore urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. So you have been called to be this kind of person. This is who you are. You're called to be one of God's children and live out of that definition, that calling. Um, so um, this is this is um, this is much more of a, something that causes us to change. So when I was um, in high school and it was around about um, grade eight in high school, um, I was um, there were some subjects I was taking I was interested in and some I wasn't interested in. And um, the ones I wasn't interested in, I, I did enough to kind of be in the middle of the class so I didn't have trouble. And one of those was history. And um, we uh, we had a history test and um, we, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of work for it, but I did enough that I, you know, I was going to be in the middle of the class. Anyway, so the teacher, Mrs. Mason, I can remember this clearly. She said, everyone can leave now except Andrew, uh, sorry, Fountain, because we were called by our last names. Fountain, I want you to stay. So, stayed. She said, um, look at this grade you got on this test. I said, yeah, but that's about the middle of the class. She said, your father is a historian. He's written two history books. <laughs> You should be at the top of the class. Oh, <laughs> you can go. So, you know what? From then on, I it I was I put work into it because this was like I had a different identity. This was my identity. I was the son of a historian, a published historian. I had to do better than that in history. And so it wasn't, I tell you, because I was more interested in studying. I'm interested in history now, but I was not in grade eight. Um, so. Uh, it does, it works in many facets of our life because God has wired us to be this way. Uh, let's look at some more um, scriptures. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Isn't that beautiful? Philippians 3.12. It's because he's made me 
his own that I push on to make these things, this behavior, my own. Because of who I am, because of this love that he has in me, on me, that he's, I'm so precious to him, I'm doing this. Here's another one, 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you are called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You've defined yourself in, many pe- in front of many people that you are a person of faith. And this is who you are. Look, all these people you've told that this is how you've defined yourself. So fight the good fight of faith. This is the person you claim to be. You're identifying yourself of. One more. Um, 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another because it's a good thing to do. Because we should love. Because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Because if you are a Christian, you're defined by your DNA, which is love. You're, you're born of God, then you will love. So live out who you are. So this is a, a little bit like my history lesson experience, but much more important than history. So uh, these are some these are some biblical um, instructions on how to change. This is how you change. You change from your identity and receiving this identity and living out of who you are now. And so uh, common resolutions, why they fail and what is this better way to change. And now the surprising twist when we look at what the Bible says. So. I, I did make a very interesting discovery searching the Bible for resolutions. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting, but I did find a few places where the word was. And um, it won't in any way help us make New Year's resolutions, as you'll see. But it's, I think it's useful. Here we go. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the resolve of his will. So often it's translated good pleasure of his will, but it's the same word. It's resolve. And I've translated resolve here. So it's actually God's made the resolution. That's the twist. Actually, it's his resolutions are much more important than ours. And if he has resolved something, that is really what counts. And in fact, we're living out of his resolutions because if he's resolved um, uh, to adopt us, to make us his children, then we're called just to live out of that identity. But he was the one that made the resolution. Um, So um, uh, verse nine in that in Ephesians one, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his resolution that he purposed in Christ. So this is his good pleasure, his, his wonderful goodness towards us is comes out of his resolution towards us. So um, we're going to, I'm just going to uh, um, get Camelia to read a story to us in a moment, but I'm going to introduce it to you first. Um, the story is this, it's a girl who was adopted at age 17. 
And the backstory is that she was born into a family that were extremely dysfunctional. The, the parents were drug addicts and extremely abusive in every way. And she grew up in this abuse. And when she started going to school, she noticed that the principals of the school, she saw the principal's children, that they were treated differently by the parents than her parents treated her. And she thought, so all families don't work this way? And as she grew up, as she grew older, she was more and more curious about this family. And she discovered that they were Christians. And at, when she got to around about 12, she discovered, she found out what Christianity was. She found out who Jesus was. And in her words, she fell in love with Jesus. Anyway, she went home. She told her parents that she'd fallen in love with, Christ, with Jesus. She'd become a Christian. They literally threw her out, literally threw her out with nothing. She'd managed to sneak back into the house at some point and grab some of her stuff, but that was it. And she didn't know what to do. So in desperation, she went to the principal and the principal said, well, we can we can look after you. So the process is that for for five years around about five years, she was looked after by the principal's family. And eventually, at age 17, they adopted her. And you can come out and read it now to us. And the um, the uh, the key thing is that I want you to notice how it describes this as being a change in her identity. Okay. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. Mm -hmm. uh, so the name of the excerpt is Adopted at 17. Earlier this year, I legally became an Esparza, five years after they took me in. It took five years for me to realize that these people were serious about being my parents. Five years of doubting their love, but yearning for what they claimed to offer. We had to go to court and wear dresses and ties. It was kind of like a marriage. When I entered the building, my body immediately tensed up, and my mom put her hand on the small of my back. We walked into the courtroom where the judge said she was grateful to be administering something positive for once. The lawyer asked my parents if they understood that this bound them to me legally, something about provision for me, and they said yes, in unison, very straight-faced. Then he turned to me and said my name, smiling. Do you understand that from this day forward, your legal name will be Lyric Alexis Gabriella Esparza? Yes, I heard myself say, anxiety now tearing through my chest. I felt both my parents' hands rest on either of my shoulders. And you understand that from this day forward, Tony and Juan Esparza are your legal parents, and your biological parents' names will be replaced on your birth certificate. Yes, I looked straight ahead. Then it settled. The lawyer said, beaming, and I jumped at the crack of the judge's gavel. Afterward, there was a moment when I hugged my mom and all my siblings came around me and wrapped their slinky, slinky little arms around legs or purses or whatever they could get to. My dad even bumbled in on it, and he's not one to get very emotional. I was shaking, and I couldn't let go of my mom. Memories of the things they had done to fight for me over the years shot through me like fire. I closed my eyes and rested on her shoulder. I had found my way home. These people had always been my family. Yeah. And uh, this is a, a picture she did that um, goes with the, the story. What do you think of that? Any, any thoughts about that story? 
it's very emotional, isn't it? That somebody's like like they were taking in, and this I I read I wanted that read because I wanted you to connect with that having happened to you. That's happened to you, and she was a new person. She had a new birth certificate, like every like she was legally part of that family, and it's like we have a new birth certificate, and so it's the, the core. Then I that I really want to settle today for us is this idea of adoption. And uh, we're just going to read uh, Philippians 2, uh, 13. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So this is where the two ideas come together. Um, his work is his, his, his um, resolution for us, but it, it, um, it, it turns into our will and our work. So... Uh, Two things I want to get from that. Um, the first of them is what makes us change is God's resolution towards us. Our, our change flows out of that. Our change flows out of God's resolution. The most important resolution you can make is to fix your eyes on God's love and destiny for you. I'll say that again. The most important resolution you can make is to fix your eyes on God's love and destiny for you. So um, I'd like to end now with three resolutions I'm going to suggest for you. And uh, here they are. The first is to think more about more about how much God loves me and has resolved to care for me and to fix my eyes on his care and love. The second one is to remember who I am now, adopted into his family, and to fix my eyes on his destiny for me. See, that's not even resolving to live in a different way. Because if I if I really fix my eyes on who I am and my destiny, I will live, my life will flow out differently from that. And the last one, to depend on his strength to change me in 2023. And this is my last verse for this sermon on resolution. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So depend on his strength for the change that will flow out of the destiny he has. Two things he has, his love and care and his destiny for you. And then rest on his strength for that. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we are immeasurably thankful to you. Lord, our hearts are overwhelmed when you think of, we think of the cost of your sacrifice for us and the love that you purposed before we were born to give to us. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we pray that we will grasp hold of that love in this coming year, grasp hold of the destiny you have, cling to you for strength 
to live. And Lord, may we have a wonderful, blessed 2023 through your grace and power. Amen.